Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I am Peter Rosenberger. Glad to have you with us. How are you doing? How are you holding up? What's going on with you as a caregiver? I'm going to ask you that every time. You know that, right? I'm not going to get away from this ever for the rest of my life. I'm going to always ask a fellow caregiver, how are you feeling? And why do I do that? Well, caregivers suffer from what I call the three I's. We lose our independence. We all know that. We become isolated. We all know that. But we all struggle with, and many of us lose, our identity. We get lost in someone else's story. Well, how do you recover that? How do you come back from that? How do you regain that identity? Well, part of that is you answer the question when I ask you, how are you feeling? And if you start off with, well, we or she or he or us or our or all y'all, whatever, you, if you start off with anything other than the word I, then we're dealing with an identity issue. And it's not that we base everything on our feelings. It's just that we learn to speak in our own voice. How important is that to you as a caregiver, that you speak in your own voice? How important is that to you, that you're heard and known by name? Think about all the scriptures that touch that very subject. Look at Isaiah 43. But now, thus saith the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who forms you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Listen to what Jesus says. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. John 10.3. Look at Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 5. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. That's just a, a sample of all the scriptures where someone's name is known to God. So when I ask you how you're feeling, I really am interested in hearing from you because now we can start a dialogue of what's going on with you so that you are heard, seen, and known. And if I'm doing that, I mean, I'm just me. I'm nobody special. But understand this, God knows your name. God sees you. God hears you, and he does not forget. His ear is not deaf that he cannot hear, Scripture says. He knows your name. Isaiah says it's engraved on the palm of his hand. What happens in your heart when you hear me say that? When you are pointed to that truth that is laid out so clearly in Scripture, what happens to you? What goes on with you when you hear that? Do you feel skeptical? Do you feel encouraged? Do you feel a measure of hope? How does that resonate with you? Because I'm going to keep saying that. And the reason why is because the more we understand that truth, the more that we can be anchored in calmness and, dare I say it, even joy while we serve as a caregiver, that you're not doing these things in isolation. You're not doing these things that you do unnoticed. You are noticed. Oh, yes, you are noticed. I understand what it feels like 
to do the things that we do as caregivers and feel invisible. I, I, I totally get that. And I have stood alone in I don't know how many hospital hallways and felt so invisible. How many times have I ridden up in an elevator back up to the floor and wondered, does anybody even see me? How many times have people come up and asked me about Gracie versus how many times have they asked me about me? So I I get that. I've been down that journey for years, for decades. And I know that's where many of you are right now. And I want to, instead of just saying they're there and, and putting my arm around your shoulder and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you're special, you're special, I can give you a Hallmark card that does that. What I want to do is point you to the scriptures that says, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, Jehovah Jireh, El Adonai, El Shaddai, he knows your name. It has nothing to do with making ourselves feel better in the sense of, oh, yes, you're special and good job and add a boy, add a girl. It has everything to do with that assurance that he knows your name and he sees what you do. And he is in it with you. Can you hang on to that today? Can you hold that in your heart? Even if nobody around you affirms that, can you go back to Scripture? Don't just go take my word for it. Go to Scripture and see what Scripture has to say. Matthew 10, 29-31. Listen to this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Does that resonate with you? I've got a dear friend of mine here who cared for his wife through Alzheimer's. He's a retired gentleman, and he loves to do stuff with woodworking uh, here in Montana, and he makes these little tiny birds out of wood that he finds around his property. I mean, they're, they're tiny. I mean, they're smaller than your finger. And he just hands them to different people just to let them know that they are worth more than a sparrow. Consider the birds of the air, he says often. What does your heavenly father say about you versus the birds of the air or the lilies of the field? And so as a caregiver, it's very easy to kind of get into this pity party, this despair. I know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. How do you get out of that? What is the path out? And the path is not me. It's not anything I am. The path is not self-realization and self-actualization, as the world would tell you, and sit there and say, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and feel like Stuart Smalley, you know, I'm a doggone it, people like me. That's not the path. The path is to go back to the Scriptures and see what your Heavenly Father says about you, to hear what the Trinity says about you. What do the Scriptures say? And that's where you anchor yourself. So in those moments when you're up in the middle of the night doing something or you're having to go to the ER or you're doing all these things, recognize that he doesn't miss any of this. 
He sees all of this. Now, it's going to take a lot of work and mental discipline to anchor yourself in that truth. This is not a one-and-done thing. This is a lifetime of resisting all the things of this world that would pull you into despair and to pull you into uh, a sense of resentment or frustration, all those kinds of things. I get it. But how do you reverse that? You go back and anchor yourself in truth in the scriptures that says he knows you by name. And for me, a lot of times I use the hymns to help me because there are people who have done this for hundreds of years who've walked through these same types of quagmires of wondering, does he even see me? Am I even known? And they live to write about it. They live to sing about it. Think about all the hymns that do that. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And we can go through more and more. And guess what? I have a special guest coming up in the next block, Dr. Larry Frazier, who's going to talk about hymns and what they've meant to him, what he's done about it, and how he's offering this to the world. These are things that we retrain our mind, renew our mind, as Paul says and not be conformed to the things of this world. He knows your name. He knows your name. The God of all creation knows your name. What kind of game changer is that for you as a caregiver? This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Many of you all know that I love the hymns of the church and I try to connect them to us in our caregiving journey as many times as possible. And so today I am thrilled to introduce to you a wonderful guest, a man who loves these hymns more than I do, which is saying a lot. And his name is Dr. Larry Frazier. He is a tremendous singer, professor, author, and caregiver. So, Larry, it is a treat to have you here with us, Dr. Larry Frazier. It is a treat to have you here with us. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Peter. It's a treat to be here. Tell me a little bit about your musical background before we get into anything else. And well, where, where did you where did this love of hymns and everything originate? Well, it's, it started at, uh, in church at a very young age at First Presbyterian in Alexandria, Louisiana. And uh, we sang, uh, we had a great organist and choir master, and we sang wonderful uh, hymns of praise with, in formal worship on Sunday morning. And then Sunday night and Wednesday evening, we sang the gospel songs. And so we kind of had a little bit of everything. And as I grew up, worship was always special to me and the music particularly. So I started singing in the church choir in the ninth grade. It was an adult choir. It wasn't a youth choir. And we sang just great master works and also uh, had had wonderful hymns during worship. So 
that really sparked my interest in music. And then I got interested in uh, concert, the, the oratorio, the more formal uh, uh, musical, uh, spiritual music, if you will, religious music, and decided to, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I, f- I sort of felt a call to go into music. And I started out in church music, but then through a series of circumstances, switched over to opera. And uh, But my love of church music continued and uh, has been a constant in my life. The hymns uh, sustain me and uh, inspired me, and I still go back to them. I love that. I started in church as well. My dad was pastor of uh, Georgia Avenue Presbyterian Church in Atlanta. And I remember being five years old, Larry, and my mother held the hymnals, that red hymnal we use, the Presbyterian hymnal. Right. And she held the hymnal down for me to to look at it. Well, I couldn't read the words. I didn't I couldn't read at the time. I couldn't keep up with that, but I could see the staves and the the notes. I didn't quite know what they mean, but I could see music before I could see words. Wow. And and I thought we have a responsibility in our churches to to bring these back to our churches. We have a poverty of of hymnology, <laughs> if you Absolutely. will, yeah. in our churches, because I, I can't tell you how many people who have been sustained through that I run into that, that have been sustained through. That. I know this is the same with you. And so many musicians learn to play music in the church. That's where that's where it started for so many. And and I could look at so many pop, R and B, blues, all of that you could trace all the way back to the church. And what happened along the way that you felt like you needed to not only continue this passion of yours, but to write about it and to share this with others and draw on your rich history? What happened in your life that that inspired that? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. And because even though I was a college professor, well, I was an opera singer first, then I discovered I didn't like living out of a suitcase. So a series of circumstances led me to act back to academia. And that's where most of my career was spent. But um, I didn't really, instead of, I was in the performance area of music. So applied performance, if you will, or informed performance was my research. And so I didn't really write um, uh, much at all as an, acad- as an academic until I was uh, nearing retirement. And, uh, and a lot of circumstances led to my producing this radio program called the hymn of the week. And I began to write these episodes, these weekly episodes for the, for the pro- radio program, which is still being broadcast today, uh, regionally here in Georgia and Alabama. Um, and in, in writing these, uh, these stories of the hymns, researching the stories of the hymns, that's really where I started writing about the hymns and and discovering more than just the what's in the hymnal about how the hymns came to be, and it was it was an incredible um, uh, heritage, if you will, some of which I was familiar with. But the more I got into it, every every hymn's got a great story behind it, and um, and then there were some tragic events in my life that kind of led to me being a caregiver in a special way. Um, about in 2008, my wife was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. So she went through a series of chemo treatment, surgery, and then chemo, chemotherapy. 
So I was producing these episodes of the hymn of the week during the time of her chemotherapy. And we, we've, she and I both found comfort in, in what we learned about these hymns. And, uh, and so that's how the, that was the nucleus, the germ of the, uh, of the book, uh, a story behind every hymn, which was sort of precipitated by another event. My wife has been cancer free for years now. And so we were on a dream journey, dream trip to the Middle East. We started in Israel. We spent about eight days in Israel. Then we spent a couple of weeks in Egypt. And then we went to Jordan. And on our near our last day in Jordan, my wife fell at Wadi Rum. We were at the top of a small out, uh, rock outcropping. She fell and fractured her femur uh, right where it joins the hip. And we got her to the emergency room at the nearest hospital, which was 45 minutes away at Aqaba. And the diagnosis was what I just mentioned, so requiring surgery. So just, you know, the, God was with us. We, we, we ended up going back to Amman, the capital of Jordan, from which we were scheduled to fly out. And she had the most wonderful medical care there. And, um, and that experience, um, it's kind of, that's what inspired me to write the book, I think, is, is that, um, that experience of we felt God's presence and, and hymns really sustained. The hymns kept coming to mind during this, during this uh, very trying time while she was recovering enough to fly back to the United States. Which is no easy thing on her to be able to fly with a repaired no, it, fractured femur. We've we've been absolutely. there and done that, and that is bless her heart. I don't know how she did it. I I uh, what were some of the hymns that, for example, that came to you during that time? Well, it's interesting. One of them was God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and guides us through the storm. That was one that just that really Really I'm glad me. it wasn't on Jordan's stormy banks. I stayed. No. I'm, I'm glad it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't that one. And uh, although the you know it, any any reference to Jordan has a has a new meaning to us now, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine it does. Well, and do you um know how is she now? She is totally recovered. And we had a, we had a remarkable, we got back to the United States, uh, three, about three weeks. She, we were about three weeks in Jordan while she recovered enough to fly back. So we go to the orthopedist and the clinic that all the orthopedists, they're looking over her x-rays, which were extra large that they had given us at the clinic in, uh, in Jordan. And, uh, they all leaned over like a bunch of, uh, it looked like a bunch of birds looking down at food or something. And, and almost with, with one accord, they raised up you got a great treatment. You got a great procedure. How about that? So we were very, very fortunate there, but it was about three weeks before uh, we could, uh, could fly back. Well, you had, you, you extended your trip in Jordan. And, well, that's uh, for sure. And, you know, it was uh, at that it, coincidentally with my wife's accident, I was losing my voice for some reason, I guess the dry climate for three weeks, um, it just got to me. So there we are. Very few people speak English, very little English. Um, 
and I'm trying to communicate and the people are so, they were so nice to us. I, I, the Jordanians, I think, were the friendliest of all the people that we encountered in the Middle East. They, they took great care of us. And uh, it was, so it was a, it was an incredible experience. And, you know, we were just aware, we were aware of people praying for us uh, back here at home. And, and we had met Colonel Oliver North on our, during the part of our trip that was in Israel. And so he found out about our injury and he, he emailed us that uh, he said, everybody in our church is praying for Mary Lynn's recovery. And that was, you know, what a powerful uh, 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 affirmation that was. So we had just, we had, and then our, our people at our local church, our, our pastor was extremely supportive and it was a, it was an incredible experience uh, to be so totally helpless in a way and not able to communicate very well to someone who's, who's very verbal and used to communicating. Uh, it was it was a real humbling experience that we we didn't have a lot of control that God was God was in control and we felt that very very strongly. Mm. We're talking with Dr. Larry Frazier. He is the author of the book, A Story Behind Every Hymn, longtime singer, professional, academic, author, caregiver. And we're going to talk about that more when we come back. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jeff Foxworthy. 65 million Americans serve as a caregiver for a sick or disabled loved one. If you're one of them, then listen to my friend Peter Rosenberger's show. He's got redneck tendencies, but he's really good at what he does. Years ago, I had the idea of doing a radio program for family caregivers, and so I pitched this to a large radio station in Nashville when Gracie and I lived there at the time, and they looked at me off and they said, you're going to do a show for what? For whom? You're going to fill up an hour with this? Some even said it's not even a viable show. So I left that station and went to a very tiny radio station and started doing the program. The folks at the bigger station were listening to my program, and they called me up and said, we like this. We think it's working. Come back over here. We want to do this program. So I did. And then in 2018, American Family Radio picked this up, and we've been off to the races ever since. If you like what you're hearing, help us do more. Go to standingwithhope.com slash giving. Standing With Hope is the presenting sponsor of the program. It's the ministry Gracie and I founded. Standing With Hope has two program outreaches. One is the prosthetic limb outreach that Gracie founded once she lost both of her legs. And the other is this program, which is for the family caregiver. Our vision is for the wounded and those who care for them. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. Get involved today. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. We're so glad that you're with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. I'm talking with Dr. Larry Frazier. He has written a book, A Story Behind Every Hymn. We're both aficionados for him. We have a great affection for the hymn, I might say. And the stories behind them are so intriguing. They give so much more context. In fact, I was recently at our church out here. The the favorite song I had as a child was, let me head over here to the caregiver keyboard. He keeps me singing. There's within my heart a melody. And, right, and I and I love that as a child. And the assistant pastor at church where, where my dad was the senior pastor, uh, the assistant pastor knew that I, I love that hymn. And again, I was five, six years old. 
And so every time we, we did that hymn, he would say, Peter, this is your hymn, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> well, I just now learned the story behind that hymn. The man that wrote that, his wife and three children died in a fire when he was 26 years old. And he nearly lost his mind. And he, um, during the, he, he was suicidal. I mean, he, he really went through a pretty rough patch. And the verse came to him that he gives a song in the night. And then he wrote that hymn, He Keeps Me Singing. And now I'll never sing that and play that song the same way again. And, and so I love the fact that you've taken these stories. And one of the stories that you put in there, I did not know, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. I didn't realize that Queen Elizabeth brought that out of retirement, if you will. Right. <laughs> and and did that at her wedding uh, back in, what, 1947-ish? Something like that. That's right. And yeah. uh, and it also was sung in her in her, her jubilees. And I think it was sung at her funeral. I, I did not get to hear that, but I think I it didn't was. Either. Well, I, it's I, such a great hymn. Praise my soul, the king of heaven. And, absolutely. Uh, and I taught in my book, I entitled that a hymn fit for a queen. It yeah. was wonderful to see that. And uh and I think that heritage that we have is what sustains us. I've played a lot of funerals over my life as a pianist. At every funeral, they they want to hear these hymns. Nobody, sure. nobody's really. I only had one funeral. It was kind of an odd guy who wanted to hear a tune from the Eagles, and uh, <laughs> but I didn't play it. He had it played, but everything that was that was a that was a one off. But it, it's astonishing to me on how many people, when life hits full frontal, that they go back to these hymns. Yeah. Life has hit you full frontal with your wife going through cancer and now dealing with Alzheimer's. How are you well, doing? <laughs> you know, co compared to, compared to so many other people with, you know, my life has been easy. You know, I, I've got great health and I've got a wonderful wife that, uh, that I love to be with. And, uh, so I'm, you know, blessed far beyond what, what I deserve, if you will. But the hymns, it, it's, it's strange that connection because the authors of hymns, there are many clergy that wrote hymns, but but just ordinary, or I say ordinary, non-ordained people. But all of these people, they were believers, they were Christians, they experienced the challenges of life, and the, the stories that come through their hymns are like testimonies. These are real people. Now, this is not, you know, some textbook story. These are people that have experienced life. And yet they're, uh, I think, I get, forget the person who's credited with calling hymns compact statements of theology. They really are, and they're practical. It's amazing. And like Annie Sherwood in New York, she was very wealthy and a believer, sincere believer. She, she wrote a hymn that came to her uh, while she was doing housework. She showed it to her, her pastor, Dr. Robert Lowry, and uh, oh. so he set it to music. And it wasn't until later in life, after her husband died, that the power of that hymn that she had written in a time, she was just doing routine, you know, sort of housework, if you will. And that's when she wrote the hymn. But later, you know, after her husband died in a time of real challenge, the hymn came back to her. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. And then her pastor added the refrain, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. Well, it's a great story. Um, to me, this woman was, she was a re real woman. She was a wife. She was a mother. And then later she became a widow. 
and and only later did the true impact of what she had written come back to her. Well, that story, who do, who hasn't been in a situation when you feel like you're beyond your own resources? I need thee every hour, and and it just it it speaks to it it speaks to us today. And knowing that knowing her story uh, is inspirational. It connects us to to her to her and and we realize that the faith is alive and has been alive for for 2000 years plus and through believers and the, and believers have often expressed themselves in 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 hymns in in the poetry that expresses the faith and and their in their own particular circumstance i put that hymn on my cd songs for the caregiver and so, and I said, you know why I put I need thee every hour on there? I said, because nobody's written I need thee every minute yet. <laughs> and so, it's, uh, I, I, I love that hymn. I love playing that hymn. Now, I put some chords in those hymns, Larry, that are not um, thanks and chords. I remember one time I was playing in Nashville at, at Covenant Presbyterian Church, and I would play before uh, people would, as people were coming in, just to kind of quiet the place down. And my pastor walked across. He's lighting the candles, Jim Buck. And I threw in a flat nine chord when I was playing this, like this. And I, but I threw in a flat nine chord. And just as Jim was lighting the candles right beside me, and I threw this in on, on a song. I think it was I Need the Every Hour. And I looked at Jim and I whispered, You know, I can get brought up on charges for that chord. <laughs> and, and, and he put his head down while he's trying to light the candle. And he put his head down and started laughing because I love, adding these chords. I had a, a, my piano professor for many years at Belmont University in Nashville, John Arne, and I still stay in touch with him. I've had him on this program, and he really taught me uh, so much about arranging hymns to add different kind of chords and the way you do the melody. But, but the thing he told me, and this will mean something to you as a musician, he said, start off playing it with one finger hmm. and just play the melody. If you can play that hymn expressively with one finger, then you've earned the right to go and arrange the hymn, but you've uh, got to play the melody and as expressively. And for a, now that's no big deal if you're a trumpet player because you only play one note at a time. That's right, or a violinist, you're sure. you know. But if you're a pianist, that is work. That is a lot of work to do that and to really. And what he wanted me to do is understand the text, understand sure. what the text is saying through that melody, through that one note. And it was a great exercise. I still do that today. Um, I go back to that when I arrange any kind of hymn and play them because I want to make sure, am I communicating the heart of what this hymn is doing? What is one that has sustained you and Mary Lynn through some of the things that you're dealing with now? Well, let's see. Oh, God, our help in ages past. Is I love that hymn. I love I mean, that hymn. Incredible poetry. And uh, and one of my favorites is Crown Him with Many Crowns. Oh, that's that's in the top five of all. Boy, I have a list yeah. of twenty five hymns that every Christian ought to know, and that's in the top five. One of the ones you talk about in this book, "All Hail the Power of Jesus Name," and you call that one the Christian national anthem, right? Yeah, and talk about that a little bit. Well, th that one, you know, I think that's interesting in several ways, particularly for Americans, because we're not in a we've we've never been in a culture in this country where we have a king or a queen. And um, and that hymn 
is is you know it's 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 all about your you give full obeisance to the Almighty, our our Almighty King, and uh, and and it, that's very very powerful, and uh, it it puts us puts us in our place I think in a, in a in a great way. You know that's a, I've never even thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. If we we don't we're somehow drawn. Like when we had the recent coronation of, of King Charles and so forth, we're drawn to this pageantry. But that is just a poor shadow of what awaits us. Yes, absolutely. When, when Jesus, uh, when we see him. And, and you know, I, I've talked about this, and I want to I get your thoughts on this. And if we have to go to a break, we'll, we'll do that. But I want to get your thoughts on this. When I play these hymns, I am I am refreshed. I, I asked some people one time, I said, how many of you all think that I need rest as a caregiver? And, and they all raised their hands. I said, how many of you all know what rest looks like to me? And and people, you know, say, we'll get some sleep or whatever. It's Sleep is not always rest to me. It's sleep. That's fine. But rest is something different. Rest is for me to settle down and anchor myself in the great truths of God that he's got this. He's got this. Yeah. And when I play these hymns, when I focus on the message and not the hymns of like, there's some hymns that are kind of a little bit sappy and, you know, particularly a lot of today's music, I I really, it's very self-reflective and yada, yada, yada. I don't care for that as much. I want these hymns that lift my soul, praise my soul, the King of heaven, all hail the power. When I focus on him, it rests, my soul rests. Even in the midst of my distress, it's it's one of the strangest things that happened to me. But when I'm playing, it actually strengthens and 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 I, I don't know any better word than that. No, I you have the that. same experience. Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, when we first got married, we I have a nice piano, a 1901 Steinway Grand, six foot two Model A, and I I mentioned that because I'm really proud of that instrument. But one thing, my wife. Uh, is a good pianist and doesn't practice much anymore. But uh, when we we first got married, she would play the piano. And then when I would come home and she knew I was coming in, she'd stop playing. She didn't want me to hear. She thought, well, you're a professional musician. And, you know, you wouldn't think much of my playing. But I love to come in and hear her play hymns. And now she plays them very often. And for both of us, it, it's, it's, it's cathartic. I mean, it, it's uh, inspiring, it's rejuvenating, and it connects us. Rejuvenating, uh, that's the word. It rejuvenates yes. me. Yeah, and just and, and right now in retirement, um, uh, I'll, pl- I'll play hymns probably as often as any music that I play, and I play a lot. I, I, I love the piano myself, and uh, I'm uh, you know playing it in retirement a lot more, but the hymns, is, that's a constant. And... Um, it's the, the music well, you know hold that, that hold that thought okay. we've got to go to a quick break i'm up against the clock you you do radio you understand that sort of absolutely. thing absolutely absolutely we're talking with exuberantly talking with dr larry frazier his book is called a story behind every hymn we've been talking so much about hymns we haven't really gotten into caregiving may not that's kind of the whole point is it helps redirect our thoughts to the things that sustain us and I, you know how much I love these hymns. This is Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. Don't go away. we got more to go. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. Glad to have you with us. I am talking with Dr. Larry Frazier, who I must, in all full disclosure, admit it's his brother that connected the two of us. He's also Dr. Frazier, Dr. Michael Frazier, and he's been tutoring me in theology for low these many months. Uh, Dr. Michael Frazier obviously has a penchant for pain uh, to take me on as a student. <laughs> and he's making sure that I don't go off the rails on things. And he connected me up to his brother, Larry, and it is just um, a real treat, Larry, to, to be able to spend time with you and talk about this mutual love we have of hymns. We both are caregiving husbands and we are both sustained by this great treasure trove we have that unfortunately in many places has a lot of dust on it. And I'm hoping we can be a part of shaking some of that dust off and letting people know that there is so much to sustain us, as we said in the last segment, to rejuvenate us, uh, to lift our hearts. Luther said that only next to the Word of God, music elevates the soul like nothing else. I think I, I probably butchered that quote, but that's close enough. That's that's close. Very. Close. Michael yeah. won't come over and beat me on the head with that one. I don't. <laughs> but you're talking about how you you play these things now to strengthen your soul, as you are in a different area of your life and you're approaching some things that are a little bit uncomfortable, and yet these things still draw you back and anchor you. Talk a little bit about that. Yes, it's it, the power of music. Music is so it, it expresses so much more than words alone can express, and and the, the the powerful combination of music and text that we have in him and poetry is in, incredibly powerful and moving. And the the music brings to mind the words, but it it enlivens the words. It takes the text and and it brings an, another dimension. And we think of hymns. And really, we think of the we think of the title of the hymns, and we 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 identify the hymn by the music, typically. And uh, you you know you can study the poetry of the hymns, and that is great because that's what the hymn is is the poetry. But when you put it with music, uh, and then when you connect it with two thousand years, or actually more than that, you could because really you've got the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. When you connect the words, the hymns, because the hymns are the words. When you connect them with music, you, there's another dimension of that expression that goes beyond what words can do is, is inc- like the, the Luther quote you, you made, that's a, it's incredibly powerful and it connects us. The, you know, the Presbyterians have the doctrine, uh, which I believe very strongly, the communion of the saints, that we indeed are a part of a, of a, a stream of, of history, a stream of believers that, uh, that we're part of that stream and the the music sure it comes from the time in which the hymns were written typically although the, not necessarily because you know the music and the and the words were written at, by different people many in many cases at different times in some cases too but the particular marriage of tune and hymn is incredible just incredibly powerful and sustaining one of the things I, and I've, I've like you said i've played a lot of funerals when people ask me what song to play for funerals or sometimes even weddings, but I don't do weddings anymore. I, mm. I almost refuse to play for weddings. <laughs> uh, there's just way too much drama and I just, I just don't like to do it. Uh, it, it. If I play for somebody's wedding, 
please know I love that person so much that I will overcome my reluctance to do it. But, but for funerals, I try to, if possible, play for any funeral that I'm asked to do, unless it just becomes way too cumbersome to, to be able to do it. Because I feel like that's a real opportunity for ministry. But one of the songs that I, um, if they ask for suggestions, I, and it, it surprises people, but it's the hymn from Duke Street, the tune, Jesus Shall Reign. And I love that hymn. And I think that when you play that at a funeral, you're making such a statement as a believer that transcends, yes, we're we're looking at death full frontal, but at the same time, as believers, we're saying, Jesus shall reign. And I love the majesty of that of that tune of Duke Street. Jesus shall reign where you know, and I, I, I shouldn't have sung there. I'm sorry. No, that's, that. no, that's great. No, 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 no. no. I said there, there's FCC requirements against me singing sometimes. <laughs> but, <laughs> that one I, I didn't know about. <laughs> uh, there's, there's ordinances and lawyers get involved. It gets ugly, but I love that hymn. And I know that my father, one that, one that is particularly dear to him is lead on O King Eternal. And, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and that's something he asked to, to, or or stated that that's something he wanted at his funeral. Um, and we hope that is a long ways away. But that that is what a statement of faith. Absolutely. That you know, a funeral sometimes is the the last opportunity for a believer to bear testament in this life one last time in that service. And I I try to counsel people on that when they ask me as a musician, let's don't play the Eagles, you know, let's, yeah, right. let's, let's play something that has some weight to it that says, this is not the end of the story. Right. You know, and see that, and that, that great connection, it connects that individual to everybody that's, that's attending that funeral because they, they may, have, they may have remembered times when they sang that hymn or they heard that hymn and, and, and in your, you know, in your case, you talked about your, the hymn your father wants you to play or wants to have it played at his funeral, that connection of family and friends through the, the hymns and the music of the hymns is, is an incredible connection. It, it is. And I, I, if I, one of my, the indelible memories I have of my father in the pulpit, and uh, I need to tell him this, I'll tell him that he'll be listening. He listens to this show every week. Uh, I tell people when mom and dad listen to my program, my audience doubles. No, it's no, I'm just kidding. They listen every week, but I remember him singing that hymn in the pulpit and he literally lifted on his toes when he was singing it. Just his, his whole, everything about him just lifted lead on O King eternal. I mean, it's, he's not singing this meek and mild and muttering it out. He is with zeal singing this hymn, uh, because this is a defining hymn of his life. That he is, dad's a longtime military man, and he he understands who his commander in chief is, and that's what that hymn does for him. And as you said, uh, we talked about last block with um, "Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven." The guy that wrote that he gave us the great hymn "Abide with Me." Yes, uh, which is Henry Light. That's one of my mother's favorite hymns, uh, if not her favorite hymn of yeah. all time. "Abide with Me," and I those hymns and so many more just are so precious to me. And I, and so when I play them as a pianist and as a singer, I know that you, you take the same care. I want to make sure that I'm properly handling this thing. It's almost like when you're talking with rare documents, you put on gloves so you don't hurt it. Yeah. I want to make yeah. sure that I don't hurt these hymns in the way right. I play them and uh, see, because it, they're so it, precious. 
and you're you're articulating that precious connection. You connect with the hymn because of your own belief, but also the what you've shared with that relative or that friend who, who also experienced that hymn. That's an incredible connection. Again, that communion of the saints. And we can, Henry Francis Light, you know, we can, it's almost like we're with him when we sing his hymns or, or read his poetry. It, you know, it's an incredible connection. And, and to hear, when he wrote that hymn, Abide With Me, he was near death. He was within th- three weeks of death, I think. He was writing why, he was just sort of lamenting about his fading senses. And he said, would that verse of mine would inspire uh, an, another person, something I'm not, I'm not giving the right poetry, but would that a verse of mine would inspire someone else. Then I can, I can go to my grave uh, confident that I have, my life has had purpose or something to that effect. It's a wonderful statement. Of course, I love that the line in there, help of the helpless, Lord abide with Lord me, abide help with of me. the helpless. And so when I'm struggling in, in hospitals and all the things I do, I don't have the words. Sometimes I can't, I don't know how to pray. And so I'll just go to the piano and I'll play and just pour out my heart, knowing that there are men and women who have written words that sustain me and millions upon millions upon millions of others in those dark moments. And I treasure that. I, I'm, I'm kind of on a mission here to help make sure that we don't forget these and I want to pass them on to children and grandchildren and so forth. And, and as many people as I can You've helped me do that today, and uh, I'm very, very grateful. This book is called right. A, a Story, Story Behind. Behind Every Hymn, and your brother was very gracious to send me a copy of it. I think it's available on, you know, certainly on all the online sellers. If people want to find out more about you, I know you're a busy guy in your retirement because you're also <laughs> now a caregiver, but if people want to find out more about you, what's the easiest way to get to you? You can go to my website, uh, faithmusicconnection.com. And I've got many uh, resources on hymns and uh, musical examples, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff on there. And also, I <laughs> want to mention, too, that the book is available on audiobooks. Oh, uh, really? Because I, I know I have friends that say they, they, they like audiobooks better than printed books because they can listen to them when they're commuting. Well, instance. I listen to a lot of audiobooks myself when I'm doing caregiving chores and so forth. I can't sit down and read like I used to. And I'm constantly on the go, and I just listen to audiobooks a lot with that. So I enjoy that. So that's great to know. We're going to have to do this some more, okay? That'd be great. Absolutely. Uh, let's do this again. This was a real treat for me, Dr. Larry Frazier. Tell me the website one more time. Faithmusicconnection.com. Faithmusicconnection.com. That's right. very easy to remember. And you can also enter a story behind every hymn, and that should get you there also. But uh, Okay, the, good. Direct is faithmusicconnection.com. Well, if this program has touched something in your heart about the hymns, go out and get this book. You, you'll find it very meaningful and and go out to his website, take a look at it. Let's make sure that we pass on to the next generation this same passion for hymns because we're we're doing a disservice to many of our people out there by not telling them what's going on with these hymns, why they're important. And like you said, with compact theology, you're taking a tremendous theological lesson set to poetry, set to music, and some that have literally changed the world. Dr. Larry Frazier, thank you so much again for joining us today. We didn't get into a whole lot of caregiver issues. We got sidetracked by the hymns, but maybe that's the whole point. That's what elevates our souls. This is Peter Rosenberg, and this is Hope for the Caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next time. 
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.